the Wildlife Observer Network. This episode was brought to you by Community-Centric Fundraising. Community-Centric Fundraising is a movement to evolve how fundraising is done in the nonprofit sector. Its goal is to support fundraisers and other nonprofit professionals to re-examine every fundraising philosophy and practice they've been taught, engage in rigorous, ongoing conversations, and explore doing fundraising in ways that reduce harm and further social justice. If you want to contribute content or start a chapter in your city, go to their website, communitycentricfundraising.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to Onward for Wildlife, the political podcast on Wildlife Observer Network. I'm your host, Heike James, and today we are going on word with interpersonal philanthropy. Now, I know that that is going to sound a little bit off our regular beating path of wildlife conservation, but the core question is, can interpersonal philanthropy advance equities for those individuals that are doing the work of wildlife conservation and does it have a place in the movement for community-centric fundraising? So I hope you stay tuned. We're going to start with the recap of Black Birders Week a little bit. What I mentioned in my last episode, when I got my 15 seconds of fame, I got more than 15 cents. And it had me thinking about how fundraising really works in the nonprofit space and how that reality is being reconciled with the aspirations of so many nonprofit organizations committing themselves to anti-racist work. So I did a little homework and I want to share some words from the community-centric fundraising movement. Fundraising has been grounded in values of donor appeasement and nonprofit survival. In the U.S. alone, philanthropy is a $427 billion, and that's with a capital B on this podcast, dollar industry, of which 68% comes from individual wallets, I mean donors. Yet the practices, theories, and foundation of modern philanthropy and fundraising often ignore the ways in which the industry perpetuates the very injustices the nonprofit sector wishes to address, which I haven't figured if what I just described is coincidence or irony. Either way, that homework has brought me to the core questions. Can interpersonal philanthropy advance equity for those individuals that are doing the work of wildlife conservation, and does it have a place in the movement for community-centric fundraising? There's definitely some old words put together in new arrangements, so let's start with some definitions starting with the movement for community-centric fundraising. And that is correct. It is not an organization, it's a movement. To help me explain that, I'm going to share some words from Hildy Gottlieb, co-founder of Creating the Future, published in 2015, to help me paint a picture. You can also see this excerpt on community-centric fundraising's website. I'm gonna call them CCF. Movements define success globally. Movements seek sweeping change. Movement begins with values. Leadership of a movement is distributed and agile, not hierarchical. Movements are supported from the inside out. Movements adopt structures and systems that mirror how society's progress 
towards people living well together. We can all have a major role in shaping this movement. Now, outside of the definition of movement, I want to talk about fundraising. And it's kind of in the name, raising funds. So I'll use a definition from Michelle Shireen Murray, CCF co-chair and principal and founder at Freedom Conspiracy and new podcast host for Ethical Rainmakers. Make sure you check out their work. And so I would like to quote, Fundraising is a thoughtful occupation, usually called development work. It is highly rational. It involves community building, communication, effusiveness, enthusiasm, cheerleading, optimism, authenticity, and the ability to develop and execute strategy. Now let's talk about interpersonal philanthropy. It started as something I said kind of jokingly to describe the phenomenon of people giving me money, you know, over the internet in the aftermath of Black Birders Week. But I really do mean that as a concept to describe something that's only possible because of Zeal or Square or specifically in my case, Venmo. These kinds of instant financial transactions could be an opportunity to advance equity and wildlife conservation, right? Well, let's talk about it. A popular question that I didn't mention from Ask a Black Birder during Black Birders Week back in June was, as a white person, what can I do now to help? That was a question that I received, not one that I asked, and I did some, you know, some of that research I was talking about I put some thought to it, and I really like this list from GibranRivera.com. It's a list of seven things. Um, one is understanding that anti-blackness is systemic. It defines whiteness. You're born into it. Learn, learn, and keep learning. But I want to talk about number six on that list. Move your money. And so when you're making money moves, specifically moving money with the help of one of the many instant cash transfer apps you might be using, like Venmo, not sponsored, it makes me ask, can Venmo have a role in facilitating person-to-person -person giving, in quotation marks, as a means to achieve greater outcomes for wildlife conservation? Maybe. Me getting a little shmoney from my role in Black Birders Week is part of the work to change the culture of wildlife conservation and make it more inclusive for future generations. Although I didn't expect it or ask for it, I am very grateful that so many people would want to support me directly. And I hope you can all keep that same energy for joining our monthly supporters list on Anchor. Thanks again to Greg Gordon for holding it down as the first. That being said, the person-to-person -person funds I received over Venmo cannot be treated like donations. The technical definition from the IRS, a charitable donation is when you donate money, goods, or services to an organization and deduct the market value of that contribution on your income tax return. I don't think anyone is claiming the money they sent me as a charitable donation. It was generous and very much appreciated, but it was not a donation. I think Venmo can exist as a tool to provide some pocket change and specialized recognition for impressive individual effort. But this is where the hair meets the peach. 
if this tool becomes the frame that all wildlife conservation is done on an individual level, it could be a slippery slope that perpetuates inequality by widening the wealth, achievement, and wage gaps that exist currently as a feature of this country's history. We're not starting on a level playing field. As a wildlife observer community, we care deeply for all species in a variety of ways, but we know the animals, insects, plants, humans that need to benefit from how we raise funds for wildlife conservation won't if it's not part of a holistic transformative movement. Now let's, let's ascend this to 35,000 feet to discuss how fundraising typically looks for wildlife conservation today. We're going to talk about the donor-centric model of fundraising. If that sounds like centralizing your donors in the work of your organizations, that's because it is. It's been proven to work to bring major gifts for major projects, while it's also been proven to perpetuate inequality and normalize systemic racism in the wildlife conservation space and beyond. I do not disagree with the notion that it is essential to build trust with your donors, and providing a central role in executing the mission sounds like a good way to accomplish that. But in these times, I bet you all of my Black Birders Week bucks that your favorite wildlife conservation organization has had an awkward conversation with at least one of their centralized donors when they went to explain why their Black Lives Matter statement was so darn progressive. These are strengths and weaknesses. But ultimately, if this work needs to be transformative, we should consider the 10 principles of community-centric fundraising and wildlife conservation. Think about how much this could help wildlife conservation. Community-centric fundraising is a fundraising model grounded in equity and social justice. This is a movement that believes the community you serve and benefit from must be centered to build the power and voice of communities of color. And it's ever-evolving. The principles and sample actions you can find on their website are iterative and evolve as we have more conversations and healthy arguments. So without further ado, here are the 10 principles of community-centric fundraising with my two cents for wildlife conservation. One, it is a disservice to donors that fundraising for wildlife conservation organizations isn't currently grounded in race, equity, and social justice. We know it's not the case today because of trickle-down community engagement. What's trickle-down community engagement? Well, in wildlife conservation, it perpetuates inequality. What do I mean by that? Big organizations absorb most of the resources from the funding community and trickle it down to smaller, minority-led organizations, basically sharing the crumbs from the plate even though the smaller minority-led organizations is doing most, if not all, of the community engagement and outreach. What about the idea of developing or of uh, you know, helping build development professionals to be trained in anti-racism? I wonder how different things would be. Two, this might be the biggest wake-up call for some, but it needs to be said. Individual missions are not as important as the collective community. 
Part of what brings the wildlife observer community together is our love for our relationship to nature. That simple. We all know that. We also know that we have our own special way of defining what that relationship is. If you seek to protect biodiversity, accept that this movement goes far beyond your 30-word or less mission statement. Valuing relationships you make and the bridges you build or burn is a major key alert in this area. 3. As an entity that works in wildlife conservation of the nonprofit industry, you should know that this spirit, and I use that term very loosely, of the spirit of fundraising competitions isn't helping. You exist because of the generosity of others. And so that generosity and mutual support should exist in the relationships that are present between wildlife conservation nonprofits. And if you have a story on how this is done best, I want to hear from you. And I hope you show your proof. If you're with me so far, this should be an easier scone to swallow. Any element, feature, or resource that strengthens the community of wildlife conservation nonprofits should be equally valued and appreciated, whether it comes from a donor, staff member, board member, contractor, or volunteer. They all play a vital role in bringing the future of what wildlife conservation can and should be, regardless of specific organization mission statement. Number five, on that idea, time is money. Don't just quote me on that. Quote your donors on that. Quote your volunteers on that. Time is money. Time is what builds trust, and you can't put a price on that. Well, if you could, that would be loyalty or, or something like that. That's either, that's another conversation. I connect to this principle a lot. Specifically because for all the wildlife conservation efforts and organizations that exist, I feel like I have more to offer than a $10 a month transaction. I want to feel comfortable knowing whether I give $10 of my dime or 10 hours of my time, it's valued equally. Now we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Please stay and we're going to finish the 10 principles for community-centric fundraising. Now, welcome back to the sixth principle of community-centric fundraising. How would you define the magnitude of transparency and honesty with your donors? And have you seriously considered seeing your donors as partners? I'm going to let that marinate. Now add a little spice. If you're in a partnership with your donors, you should be able to firmly push back where you, you have even the strongest disagreements on how the work can be effectively done. And I say firmly push back because the opportunity might present itself or already has when adhering to your donor's wishes will come at the expense of the community and the environment you're serving. And I want to say that especially if your favorite organization put out a statement and they got pushback from donors because it was too progressive or not about wildlife enough. It's also worth saying more broadly that 
if achieving your mission is all the donor wants and that comes at the expense of the community and the environment you're serving, then you just have to, you might have to just throw that whole John out. Number seven, foster a sense of belonging, not othering. Yes, this is one of those simply sounding, be a decent human kind of tip. And so this one might be obvious for most of you, but I have an example to share that might clarify for the people in the back. When you're fundraising to protect the special places for environmental indicator species with the communities that love wildlife and you treat donors as partners in the work, you are also bringing a sense of belonging to the work, which can support healthy, authentic relationships with community members' involvement in fundraising efforts. This helps when you're using stories to add that special touch to the end of your year appeals or the special Giving Tuesday newsletter. But at the same time, you should be thoughtful of the impact you can have on the shared experience in the outdoors. When you're not fostering that sense of belonging intentionally, then what you end up actually doing is perpetuating the narratives and stereotypes that keep the field unfortunately so male and so pale. But you might not see it that way. So I guess we can agree to disagree. And I'll just chalk it up to you trying to maintain the status quo. But you should know, the status quo is unsustainable. Number eight, promote the understanding that we all benefit from supporting wildlife conservation. The donors, staff, funders, board members, contractors, and volunteers need to share that understanding as the truth. I know it sounds nice and simple, just kind of like the last one. But with the history of land theft, the legacy of systemic racism, and the current state of the culture of conservation, the image of who is really benefiting from their support of wildlife conservation today unfortunately becomes very clear and alarmingly singular. So what can you be doing as an organization to make it clear that everybody on the list personally benefits from the work you do for wildlife? Possibly a lot of things. Tax-deductible giving and a strong sense of compassion might immediately come to mind on the list of binnies, you know, the benefits of supporting wildlife conservation. But you can't leave out self-interest, or more specifically, enlightened self-interest, which is a philosophical idea that persons who act to further the interest of others ultimately service their own self-interest. If that sounds like you should start appealing to the self-interest of a more diverse base of donors, staff, funders, board members, contractors, and volunteers in your work, that's because it is. Number nine, the work has never been about a single donation, a single donor, a single mission, or a single achievement. The work is part of a holistic, transformative movement that's rooted in advancing environmental justice. For fundraising... This looks like telling your donors that with their financial support, whatever number that may be, in combination with staff leadership, contracted expertise, funding from other grants, and that sweet, sweet volunteer time you manage to achieve the conservation outcomes for wildlife. Anything you leave out of that equation is a bigger loss for the movement. Number 10. 
the last principle. Recognize that healing and liberation requires a commitment to economic justice. Yes, even when you're raising money to save critical habitat for an endangered species, your work is tied to and must grapple with the root causes of inequity, including the destructive effects of capitalism on wildlife and people. You might be complicit in furthering the effects in your practices, and that's not community-centric fundraising. So in conclusion, is there any room for giving people money directly via Venmo, or are we going to have to change the way nonprofits raise money? Maybe both. This is an inevitable, necessary change for all of us to think about how we can move money to reduce harm and further equity. I hope the principles of this movement can be applied to how we raise money for wildlife conservation and environmental education programming. Because it is often through the work of local nonprofit programming that the general public can access, engage, and experience wildlife in a meaningful and safe way. For me, the local nonprofit programming took place in a community environmental education center where I started my career in conservation with the first sight of a belted kingfisher, female. How those programs are funded matter directly to the people those programs are meant to serve. How those programs are funded should also matter to the people who care about wildlife. It should matter to the people who love the organization's mission. It should matter to people who want to see economic and racial justice transform wildlife conservation so that people everywhere can benefit from the work. As a wildlife observer community whose objectives are so aligned with the goals of social justice, we must continue to act on the knowledge that even our most favorite wildlife conservation organizations cannot achieve environmental progress if they're still clutching to the status quo of conservation that sits on the history of land theft, environmental racism, enslaved labor, and white supremacy. Always remember, the status quo is unsustainable. That's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please let me know what you think on Twitter. This podcast has a Twitter profile on Word number four wildlife and let's share a dialogue on this